This is the Ultra Running History Podcast. I'm your host, Davey Crockett. Thanks. Thanks for coming. This is episode 80. It's a birthday celebration. The Comrades Marathon, about 55 miles, held in South Africa, recently turned 100 years old. This episode will explain how it started and will cover the first two years in 1921 and 1922. The Comrades Marathon is the world's largest and oldest ultramarathon race that is still held today with fields that have topped 23,000 runners. 2021 marked the 100th anniversary of the Comrades Marathon, quote, the ultimate human race. Because the pandemic canceled the race for the second year, the anniversary was celebrated on May 24, 2021, with a 2.2-kilometer 1921 tribute run. The field of 34 invited runners included 21 former winners from South Africa dating back to 1976. Also included were some runners who had completed more than 40 editions of Comrades. Comrades Today is one of the most paramount ultra-running events on the international calendar. It has a rich 100-year history packed with amazing accomplishments by more than 400,000 finishers through the years. How did it start? and what kept it going for a century. Vic Clapham was a train engineer from Durban, South Africa, and became the founder of the Comrades Marathon. He was born in London and went to South Africa with his parents when he was 13 years old in 1899, while the Anglo-Boer War was taking place between the British Empire and two Boer states who were fighting against British rule. As a youth, Clapham attended high school in Cape Town. He would often walk about eight kilometers to school each day from his home. Usually, he was given a three-penny ticky each day to pay for a train ride home so he could help in his father's grocery store. Once, he spent the money on sweets and instead walked back home. That resulted in a beating from his grandmother, and he never repeated that offense. Clapham married Nellie in 1912, and they eventually had six sons. World War I broke out in 1914 when Clapham was aged 28. As South Africa entered the bloody conflict, Clapham signed up with the 8th South African Infantry and was sent to German East Africa. During his service, he went on a 1,700-mile march in East Africa. He came down with blackwater fever, dysentery, malaria, and was close to death because of the diseases. In 1917, when he was mostly recovered, he traveled home by wagon and on a hospital ship, where he was deemed medically unfit. Returning British soldiers formed the League of Comrades of the Great War to represent the rights of veterans of the war. Clapham was interested in establishing a memorial to the suffering and deaths of his comrades during the war. Clapham was a visionary and had no desire to put up a statue, plaque, or wall. He wanted a living memorial, something that was alive and breathed and could grow over time. He also wanted his special memorial to embody the spirit of fortitude, endurance, and bravery that typified his fallen comrades. He decided to create a road race, but not just any road race. It had to be long, 
challenging and demanding of all those characteristics he saw in his comrades during the war. He decided that the race would be between his hometown of Pietermaritzburg and Durban, 56 miles or nearly 90 kilometers away. Clapham had been inspired by the London to Brighton walking races that were held before World War I and wanted to create a similar race in South Africa. It was reported, He felt that if infantrymen drafted into the armed forces from sedentary jobs could endure forced marches over great distances, trained athletes could cover the distances between the two cities without great difficulty. Clapham approached the League of Comrades with the idea in 1918, but received no support. Denied. They thought that the idea was crazy, far too strenuous for even trained runners. But he did not give up over the next several years and eventually received approval for the event to be held in 1921. The league wanted their name associated with the event and sponsored it by lending Clapham one pound sterling, which needed to be repaid. Clapham did his own organizing and marketing for the race. He had a letter published in a local newspaper announcing the event and asked for donations of prizes. He had neither a car nor telephone, so all his contacts were made by mail or in person. Clapham's son, Eric, gave assistance in those early years. He wrote, Runners descended on their home before the race. My dad, an arch scrounger, got donations of tea, milk, and biscuits for all. I would have to give up my bed and sleep on the floor so a runner could have a comfortable night's rest. On the morning of the race, my brother and I would have to cycle around Maritzburg at 4.30 a.m. in the freezing air with a notebook and pencil to rouse the local runners. Each had to sign he'd been wakened. Wake up! The 1921 Comrades course started in Peter Maritzburg and ran to the coastal city of Durban. The mostly dirt road and path route to Durban included many obstacles, steep hills, and even water crossings and cattle gates. Only a few final kilometers of Durban were tarred. The course is sometimes referred to as the Five Big Hills. With barely a single continuous mile of flat road, it can best be described as mountainous instead of hilly. In the early years, it truly was a mountain trail ultra. There was no concept yet of an up year or down year. But 1921 was on the down course direction, with still about 2,500 feet of climbing. In the following years, the course directions mostly alternated each year. The first hill to go over in the down direction is Polly Shorts, at 7 kilometers, named after a nearby farm. Next up is the most famous hill, Inchanja, at 37 kilometers. The little town of Drummond marks the halfway point. After Drummond, Botha's Hill at 49 kilometers is climbed, where battles for first place are often won, passing by a famous point that in the future was named Arthur's Seat, a place that five-time winner Arthur Newton was said to have stopped and rested. Fields Hill at 64 kilometers is the longest and steepest downhill on the course. Cowie's Hill at 72 kilometers is about a mile long uphill with about 17 kilometers to go. After passing the town of Westville at 78 kilometers, the home stretches near with only two minor hills remaining. The finish is in the large city of Durban with a total distance of about 89 kilometers or 55 miles. The first Comrades Marathon was held on Empire Day on May 24, 1921 
in the 11th birthday of the Union of South Africa. 48 runners entered the inaugural race, but only 34 runners started. Most of them were former infantrymen. At 7.10 a.m., the mayor of Pietermaritzburg, D. Sanders, started the race with a pistol shot. The first Comrades Marathon took place on Empire Day 1921, when 34 runners set off from Pietermaritzburg City Hall on a journey that would change the face of sport in South Africa forever. Historian John Cameron Dow wrote, The race, in an important sense, belongs to the people of Natal. Right from the first race in 1921, the local population have made it their event. Lining the route, they are just as much part of comrades as the athletes. The interaction between runner and spectator is the very essence of the race. Butcher Purcell of Greytown took the early lead. He was challenged by Harry Phillips of Meritzburg and Bill Rowan, age 26, a farmer from Coaster. Leaving the city, a dusty sand road meandered over the hills and through the valleys all the way to Durban. Purcell, Phillips, and Rowan were still together at Cato Ridge, but by the foot of Inchanja, Purcell had fallen two minutes behind. The halfway mark was reached at the sleepy little village of Drummond. Rowan, who had been pacing himself well, went into the lead, followed by a convoy of bicycles, motorcycles, and cars. He maintained and increased his lead over Phillips, who was suffering from a chronic knee injury. With about 18 miles to go, he had built up a two-mile lead on Phillips. A motorist on the road reported, Rowan's a marvel. He was running splendidly when I saw him. The Clapham's provided some crew support. The runners brought their toiletries and clean clothes and small suitcases. We took these on a truck, which my dad had scrounged, and accompanied the athletes. If we saw a runner sitting on the roadside in pain, we'd massage his muscles with Elderman's liniment. Every now and again, we'd see a guy pooped out and ready to pack up, and we would find his suitcase and wait while he quickly dressed and climbed onto the truck with us before we pulled off looking for someone else who needed a drink of water, a rubdown, a word of encouragement, or finally a suitcase full of warm clothes. During the race, Vernon Jones, age 12, a future comrades historian, was camping with Boy Scouts along the road. He recalled, As the cars approached, I was able to make out the figure of a bedraggled runner, kicked with sand, Bill Rowan. Rowan, who must have been well-trained, had predicted finishing in nine hours. Running down West Street in Durban, covered in dust, Rowan led the convoy to the city hall and crossed the finish line in eight hours, 59 minutes, beating his prediction by just one minute. Phillips finished second, 41 minutes later. In the spirit of comrades, several runners finished together. 16 finished within the 12-hour cutoff time. The race received good newspaper press coverage and was noticed by Arthur Newton, age 38. Newton had been born and raised in England. In his early adult years, he joined his brothers who were living in Durban, South Africa. In 1911, Newton became a farmer in South Africa. He struggled, went to serve in World War I, and returned to find out that his farm had been neglected and much of it destroyed by fire. The government did not give him the help that he wanted, and he became convinced that he first needed to become famous. He came up with a bizarre idea. He decided that his route to fame was to become an elite runner. He said, 
I took up long-distance running solely with the object of focusing public attention on the treatment to which I had been subjected. He set his sights to win the new Comrades Marathon. In preparing for the 1922 Comrades race, Newton established a serious training program using any literature he could find on the subject. He knew that the 1921 winner, Rowan, had trained doing 20-mile runs on his farm, but when Newton tried to run instead of walk, he would end up very stiff and out of breath. He finally admitted to himself that if he was to succeed, he would have to put aside his smoking after 20 years of the habit. He finally decided to allow himself two pipes a day, including a post-run pipe as a reward for hard training. Running started to come easier. He timed all his runs, trying to improve them on particular routes. By March, with race day just 10 weeks away, he attempted a long run under race conditions. His competition was a local train that went on a route through the hills and with several stops. He wanted to race the train for about 40 miles. All was going well until he experienced serious pain in his chest on a steep climb. That spooked him into thinking he had a heart problem. Newton went away from his time trials, ignoring his watch. Instead, he concentrated on distance, not speed. He discovered the benefit of the long, slow run. His runs worked up to 25 miles, and he dropped his weight by 10 pounds to 132 pounds. After more than a month, he returned to race that train again and beat it. It was his longest run during his training, and he knew that he was almost ready. The second Comrades race was held on May 24, 1922. The entrants came from all walks of life, with some experienced runners. Newton said, When I arrived at the starting point in the morning, I kept away from the great bulk of the competitors so as to be able to sit quietly and rest instead of being called upon to talk loudly amidst the general bustle and noise. There were 89 runners who started at 6 a.m. for the run from Durban to Peter Maritzburg, the up version of the course. They were cheered on by a crowd of about 2,000 people. The mayor of Durban fired the starting pistol and they were off, followed by helpers in cars, rickshaws, bicycles, and motorbikes. Newton held back his pace and was made fun of by some spectators for being in the back of the pack. But soon he started to move up and pass runners. By 20 miles he was passing untrained runners who were walking. He was mid-pack by halfway point and still did not worry about the front runners. By mile 30, Newton passed the previous year's runner, Rowan, who went out too fast and was battling cramps. Only three other men were ahead. The race director, Clapham, received word that an unknown runner 77 was among the front runners. He said, There was a scramble for programs to see who this number 77 was. It turned out to be a chap called Newton. All I could say about him was that he was a farmer. By mile 32, Newton moved into second place, passing a runner who had been 45 minutes ahead, but now was stopped on the side of the road being massaged. By mile 38, during a grueling climb, Newton spotted the leader, Butcher Purcell, as a white speck going over the top. Newton soon went into the lead. He quickly built up a large 30-minute lead over the runners limping behind him. 
With four miles to go and Peter Meritzberg in view, he knew that the victory was his. After some brandy at a hotel along the road, he attacked the final stretch. The moment I was sighted, I saw people beginning to run, and in less than a half minute, there was a dense crowd. The people swarmed up so suddenly from every side that I was only just able to get through with the aid of the police. At the sports ground, he ran on the track and thousands cheered him as he ran the last stretch around the track. At last I saw the tape ahead and ran to it in a thunderous roar and cheering from all sides to get a handshake from the city mayor. Newton finished in 8 hours 40 minutes, nearly 20 minutes faster than Rowan's 1921 win in the downhill direction. A crowd lifted Newton off his feet and paraded him on their shoulders off the field. Reporters followed and photographed. His friends took him away to recover. By the time the second place runner, Phillips, finished in 9 hours 9 minutes, Newton had already had a bath and dressed in the everyday attire. Rowan finished third in 9.13. Newton told the reporters that he did not think he would try to run that far again. After all, I'm 39 and getting on in years. Newton became a national celebrity overnight and did run again. He won the race in 8 hours 40 minutes that year, but stunned the running community in 1923 when he won, going down in 6.56 before becoming the first runner to break the 7-hour barrier. Newton won the race three more times in 1924, 5 and 27. His 1925 downrun time of 6.24 being nothing short of astonishing. Newton remains a comrade's legend, being one of only five men to achieve five or more victories. The Comrades Marathon grew each year and eventually attracted international runners. Some Comrades history facts. The first woman ran unofficially in 1932, Frances Hayward, who finished in 11 hours 35 minutes. Robert Michali was the first unofficial black finisher in 1935 with a time of 9 hours 30 minutes. Comrades was not held during World War II from 1941 to 1945. In 1948, a tradition began to start the race with a loud imitation of a cock's crow instead of a pistol shot. Wally Hayward became the first person to break the six-hour barrier in 1953 with a five-hour, 52-minute finish. See episode 61. But to understand how Wally Hayward became arguably the Comrades Marathon's most enduring superhero, one must start when he lined up in the 1930 race. At just 21 years of age, Hayward certainly grabbed the media headlines that year with a closely fought win over Phil Masterton Smith in 7 hours 27 minutes. I beat Masterton Smith, I think it was only by about 30, 30 odd seconds. That, that was all I beat him by. Yeah, that's how he, how he caught up with me. Hayward then took a 20-year break from Comrades, coming back in 1950 for an amazing four-win streak in five years. He was the first man to break the six-hour barrier which he did in 1953, and he also set an uprun record of 6.12 in 1954. In 1962, the race started to attract foreign runners. In the 1970s, the race had more than 3,000 runners and was widely broadcast on both radio and television. In 1975, blacks and women were finally allowed to officially run. 
Sam Tishabalala became the first black winner in 1989. For a time, Americans and others were not allowed to compete by running associations until apartheid had lifted in 1991. In 1995, cash prizes were introduced and the event became more commercialized. By 1996, it was the largest sporting event in South Africa. The largest race was in 2000 with a massive 23,961 runner field. An amazing 20,000 runners finished in the allowed 12 hours that year. American Anne Trayson won Comrades twice in 1996 and 1997. In more recent years, Camille Heron won in 2017. She said it is the ultimate race to do as an ultra runner. There's so many other races out there beyond Comrades, but I mean, I think that winning Comrades is kind of the pinnacle of excellence. And yeah, it gives me a sense of relief that, hey, I've already achieved my number one goal. Uh, Anything else I do from now on is just icing on the cake. As of 2021, Comrades has been held 94 times. There is a special spirit surrounding the Comrades Marathon. Nine-time winner Bruce Fordyce explained. But it's now become a lesson for the world in that Muslims, Christians, you know, Jews and, and Hindus can all get together, men and women, and they strive for a common goal, which is to get to the finish line before five o'clock. And it's amazing how you can see that positive thing getting together where people all help each other and all try and achieve that goal. I mean, what's the success rate? It's about 95% or something on the day. And the only people who are actually racing each other are the people in front, and even they help each other, handing out sponges and that sort of thing. And I think what it is, it says if the human race can get over its so-called external differences, we can be a fantastic, fantastic uh, species. You know? and, and that's the message that comes out of comments, and I think that's what makes it the most important race, probably not just the ultra, but the most important race. Happy 100th birthday to comrades. Last year, the race was cancelled due to the COVID-19 pandemic. This year, the runners were dealt another blow with the announcement that the race wouldn't take place. This year's cancellation particularly bitter as it would have marked 100 years since the first race. Despite the cancellation of the 90km race between the two cities, Former winners took part in a 2.2km run from the Peter Marius Bexis Hall to Comrade's house, a symbolic reenactment of the first race. It was great fun, but also bring back uh, a, a lot of memories. And when uh, Charles Sophia was playing at the City Hall, I was getting goosebumps because that was only also the direction that I ran when I won in 1991. It was a down run. Oh, it was so much fun. And to see everybody again that you haven't seen for years, because a lot of these people don't run comrades anymore, so you don't see them. So being here today and seeing everybody again and being able to run with them and just have fun was great. It was disappointing in 2020 when we had to cancel the first time, but to have had to cancel the race in our centenary year really came as a tremendous blow. But we decided to go ahead with our celebrations because we are, of course, 100 years today, and that's you know a milestone. With that, this is Davy Crockett, and this is the Ultra Running History Podcast. I hope you run fast and far, enjoy life, get outdoors, 
And most of all, stay safe and don't take unnecessary chances. <laughs>